Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome to another interview episode. I am so excited to have you here today committing to your healthiest life. I know that today's episode is going to offer so many more mindset shifts on your journey that's going to be powerful in upgrading your health and your life. I've invited a dear friend and the incredible celebrity chef, Serena Poon, to gift us with her knowledge today. Serena is a successful entrepreneur established in the culinary health and wellness community, serving as a classically trained chef, certified nutritionist, and Reiki master. She's known for curating healing and wellness programs using her method of culinary alchemy. Serena's culinary alchemy is the practice of combining intuitive energetic techniques with guidance and education on functional and spiritual nutrition. Additionally, she recently founded Just Add Water, a wellness line of super nutrient foods and supplements. She's also the founder of Serena Loves, a lifestyle brand and blog, and also hosts the TV series and podcast Serena Loves TV. So if you're in need of some self-care rituals or you're beginning to explore spirituality as a channel for optimizing your health, you're going to love this interview that we're about to have. And make sure to stay tuned to the end as I'm going to give you some actionable steps to implement right away to take exactly what we talked about and begin to integrate them into your life. Without further delay, let's meet Serena now. Thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor to have you. I remember we were sitting at a salon dinner several months ago and we were sharing what we do. And I was like thinking to myself, I have to be friends with this woman. She's just so incredible that I absolutely have to meet her. And then so after dinner, we connected. And since then, we've become great friends. And I'm just so grateful that you're here to share your story with the Awesome Inside Out community. Welcome. Well, I have to say thank you. That was such a magical dinner. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that we met and honored to be here today. I'm so excited and just you're such a light and you're such a beautiful, special soul. And I'm so grateful, really. Like, And I thought the same thing. I'm like, I have to be friends with this girl. She and I are like, she's amazing. Like soul so, sisters. I and know. We have so much in common and our I stories know. were so in line and mm-hmm. our parents' stories. And so, yeah, so I'm just so excited to dive in. And so for those that don't know you or know your story, I would love for you to just share really what the turning point in your life was and how you really decided to go in and study nutrition and become a top culinary chef and how this really happened. I was reading all this information about you yesterday <laughs> that I didn't know. And it was, it was like top chef for Hugh Hefner and like this celebrity and that celebrity. And I was like, wow, I never even knew that you worked at the Playboy Mansion. I didn't know these things. So I would love some background information yeah. for the audience about okay. um, really how you got yeah. started in this field and really what that turning point was or that breaking point that really made you create a shift. Okay. Well, really like the foundation and the passion behind everything that I do, especially with food as healing, 
started with my parents because I was in college. I was studying nutrition just because I really loved it. And I've always been a foodie. The kitchen and has always been like the center of our household, of most households, really. And during my senior year, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and it was stage four liver cancer, which if for anyone that has no experience with cancer at all, that's a pretty terminal diagnosis. And it was a blood disease for him. It was something that his grandfather had passed from as well. And so he knew to kind of, you know, keep track of it. And every six months he'd go in for a checkup and somehow between two six month checkups, it went from everything's okay to stage four. So it was more than just a shock, you know, it was just like, it completely was upheaval in our family. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. And in that age, I mean, I thought, oh no, I have five years to marry the right guy and get a good job and have a baby and do all these things. When in all reality, it was like, he really only had months, you know, and during that time, it was like, Western medicine, of course, like chemo and radiation, but then we also had Chinese medicine. We had herbs, you know, weird herbs that smelled and tasted awful that were, you know, sent to us from, you know, from our relatives in Hong Kong and China. And so these were the things that my dad was doing. And at the same time, I knew you could see it wasn't enough. You know, Mm -hmm. he was still in so much pain. He was still suffering so much. And I started to just really digging in and diving in to look for like herbs, you know, mm-hmm. any type of herbs or plants or anything at all that wasn't a chemical right. that could help either alleviate his symptoms, his discomfort, just some way to provide him some sort of happiness. And that's what I was doing at the time. And he was with us for about a year and three months and he was 48 at the time. And then two months after he passed, my mom, who's 45, was diagnosed with a rare form of ovarian cancer. Mm. So it was just such a crazy, chaotic, really painful time. And at that time, you know, my dad was my mom's soulmate. So she was ready to just go, you know, and join him. And her doctors are telling her, look, there haven't been that many cases of your cancer, maybe 25, 26 case studies. Mm -hmm. We're just going to kind of wing it, Mm -hmm. you know, and she had to have a full hysterectomy at 45 no hormone replacement therapy at all to kind of alleviate those symptoms, which are bad enough on its own because that's what was causing her cancer. And she had chemo and radiation. And, you know, going through this process, Mm -hmm. I realized there's so much that we can do to help, if not heal, healing is the goal and is so attainable, but at the very least, like create comfort, you know, with food, with plants, with nature. And so that's when I decided, even though I was supposed to be the first attorney in our family and like the oldest (laughs) kid, like the oldest grandkid, the oldest niece, the person who's supposed to set the path (laughs) for all my 14 cousins, I went from white sheep to black sheep and I decided I'd go to culinary school, Mm. which of course my mom and family flipped out about at first. You know, they said, you're just having like, you're having like a mid twenties crisis. You can still Mm. be a doctor. You can still (laughs) be a dentist. You could still be, you know, like an astronaut basically, but I decided to go to culinary school because I wanted to learn, you know, the culinary arts to use it in terms of the healing arts Mm -hmm. as with food as medicine. And so that's really when I decided to really dive in and understand how I could help other people. You know, I, food is not just medicine. It's also comfort and it's also love. You know, we have memories associated with how something smells, how something tastes, how something feels in our hands or in our mouth. And it brings back beautiful memories that give us joy and feed our soul. 
And so when someone's sick, you know, most of the times they can't have their favorite foods because there are things in it that, you know, can cause more discomfort or more pain. And so I really wanted to at least do that for people is help show them and create different recipes and show them how, whether or not it's healing or just comfort, this is what you can do with things that we have at our fingertips. So, you know, that's really how I got started that way. So then I went to culinary school. And uh, while I was at culinary school, they took the top five students and we did an estage, which is like a temporary mm-hmm. sort of internship at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And at the time, they had like the night before party, which was like that big, fancy, only A-list before reality TV type of party where everyone there is a Brad Pitt or a Halle Berry or, you know, something like that. And I remember working this party and I tell this story, I've told it a few times, but it is really a moment for me when I'm working this party and I'm making shrimp scampi and like Harrison Ford walks up and I'm making shrimp scampi for Harrison Ford, who was like my hero growing up. I mean, this was Indiana Jones. He wasn't Harrison Ford. This was Indiana Jones. And when I was a little girl, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I couldn't even pronounce archaeologist, but that's what I wanted to be (laughs) because of Indiana Jones. And I thought, wow, like, this is what I want to do. These are the type of people that I want to be working for, cooking for in this path of mine, you know, because I knew that I love my rapport with people. I didn't want to just be on the other side of a swinging door in a restaurant, you know, creating food. And that I have so much respect for chefs who do that because it's a lot of hard work. But for me, I love that synergy and that energy exchange that I have with clients one-on-one. So that's what I decided to do. And I applied and got an internship working for Hugh Hefner Mm -hmm. at the Playboy Mansion. And then they hired me on after my internship ended. And that's sort of how I started my path and my business as a chef, you know, working for the stars, I guess. That's incredible. Such a profound story and very similar to mine where it really took coming from a place of intense pain and suffering to shine light on something that we needed to share with the world. And yes. so it's just such a beautiful path and journey that you took to that. And I'm curious now with your transition from working just in the kitchen mm-hmm. to working one-on-one with people and really creating this methodology called the culinary alchemy. Yeah, I would love to hear more about how that was created and what that process is, because I know it's so much more than just cooking. Oh yeah. It's so special. It's magical. You know, I, I, there's no better word to describe it than that. And it's, it is taking that. I love educating people on why they're doing something, why they're having something, why you're putting this food or this juice or this herb into your body. Because once you understand it, you're much more connected to it and much more you know, willing to do it on a regular basis because you know it's not just something that someone told you to do, like Mm -hmm. a prescription Mm -hmm. from a doctor. It's understanding what it's doing to your body and connecting Mm -hmm. to that. And that actually is right there. That's an energetic connection that helps heal your body, you know, with your mind as well. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's the nutrition, which is something I've been doing for a long time with the food. Even when I was just catering and Mm -hmm. doing private chef work, the nutrition had always kind of been there because I was classically trained. And so French cuisine is not exactly healthy. It's tasty, but not healthy. And so I was really trying to take my skills and um, the methods that I was taught and put a twist to it that was healthy so I can turn a dish that, you know, from a French perspective, incredibly decadent, and I can make that vegan, but you still feel decadent and it's great for your body and your soul. So I was doing the nutrition. There was those two pillars of culinary alchemy. 
But in this journey that I've had since the beginning with my parents and what had happened, what I wasn't identifying with was that element of self-care, mm-hmm. you know, that element of self-care that is so absolutely, it's a non-negotiable and it is so important and it's truly the foundation for everything else. Because if you don't have, you know, mindfulness about it, if you don't understand like how absolutely important it is to have self-care, you don't connect as much with why it's so important to have this type of food, get this much sleep, exercise, do all the things because that is all sort of under self-care. And self-care for me is still something I have to practice daily. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to mindfully say, this is what I'm going to do for myself. These are the non-negotiables. But at the time when other people that you love are sick, Mm -hmm. that goes out the door, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and even now, even if you don't have someone who's sick and you've got deadlines for work and a team that relies on you and whatever it is, self-care out of a list of 20 things may be one of the first three things to go, Uh you know, because we feel like if we sacrifice ourselves, it'll be okay. Like we can always ante up and we'll be fine. So during the journey when my parents were sick and then after, which led into my own, you know, health journey, I realized that I didn't have that understanding or connection to self-care. And as we dive into that a little bit later, what came from that was my journey into spirituality, you know, and understanding the power of energy and of Reiki and of quantum healing. And so I went and studied these things. And then I understood and I, it's a practice that I do with all my clients, with everybody, you know, my friends, everyone. I'm always like, here's little Reiki. I understood like how absolutely integral that was to optimal health, full body. We talk about mind, body, soul all the time. Mm-hmm. And As intangible as energy is, it's so tangible to me when I work with somebody, you know, that we really, I look at the physical body, we do all the labs, you know, we do everything that's physical. And then of course we do the food and the nutrition. And and then we also do, it's almost like an energetic intake, you know, and I intuitive kind of like measure in their energy, take that in. And we also feed that energetic body because it's a balance across all three, you know, pillars. So that's basically what culinary alchemy is. It's combining all of those, but really teaching my clients and the community, like how you can tune into your own intuition and understand how you can feed and support your energetic body, which in turn supports your physical body. So Yeah, it's so, so important. I think right now we're seeing more than ever that the standard calories in calorie out model is not working. Mm -hmm. The the standard American diet, you know, food plates are not working anymore that we can no longer just look at the plate. We can no longer just look at the food. And there's so many other components that are involved. And when we're in a room that we're feeling and feeding off other people's energy, that impacts us and indirectly impacts our decisions and so forth. So everything in our environment really does impact our decision-making around food and movement. And I think so many women feel stuck because they're like, I'm trying the food and I'm not having the results that I want. And so I'm just curious, you have built this massive platform and so many women reach out to you every day. What is one of the things that you find so often that they're confused about when it comes to this topic? Are they What are the stories that they're holding or maybe a myth that can be debunked? Well, first of all, the number one thing that I get is I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. That is our first, that's, I mean, I would say across the board, men, women, it could be stay-at-home moms of three. It could be some of the biggest movie stars on the planet. 
the one thing I always get is I don't have the time. And that tells me immediately that the mindset about self-care and understanding that the things that we're talking about, the things that we need to do are literally nourishment, you know? So whether or not that is five minutes of gratitude that you do, or that when you're making your coffee in the morning, you know, and I don't do coffee, I do matcha, but whatever it is, that that's something that you're not just doing it to wake yourself up so that you can get started on the day. That's something that you really love that smell. You really appreciate what this does. This is five minutes of you time. And just being able to connect to making that coffee Mm -hmm. for five minutes before you head out the door or take the kids to school, that instant connection and understanding that this is something that feeds me in a way that it's form of self-care, even if it's not about, like you said, calories or nutrition at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still nourishing your body. Your body actually receives it in a certain way. And so when people are making food for themselves, you know, whether they're doing a cleanse or a diet or just, you know, cooking for the family, it's really important to have that connection with the food Mm -hmm. and understand what it's doing for you. And it's not just a checkoff, you know, it's not just a grind. And once I can get someone to sort of understand that you have to look at that dish, at that meal as something that is feeding you, like you're doing something for yourself, you know, and like give yourself a pat on the back that you had a liter of water today, you know, yes, does your body need it? Absolutely. But identify that you doing that, you did something for yourself, you know, that completely shifts people's mind. And then it becomes like, oh, I had two liters of water today. Like I'm so proud of myself. And your body receives that differently. And what it also does is you become your own coach, your own motivational coach. And then you want to do something else that's really good for your body. And it's not like, oh, I need to have that green juice. You know and understand all the things in that green juice that do so many things for your body that you now it's like, oh my gosh, I want that green juice. And I feel that hair growing and I see my skin like glowing, all of that. So a lot of it is mindset, you know, and understanding that it's okay. And you're not carving out four hours of your day to do this for yourself. It's like killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. And it's replacing the belief in the moment. It's Mm -hmm. actually not taking up any more time. It's just shifting the belief from food is punishment to food is nourishing. This is a blessing. I actually get to bless my food and feel grateful and feel honored that I get to sit here. I think one of the most beautiful quotes that I heard was, that we should feel grateful every moment that we actually get to choose what is on our plate yes, and that we actually have that choice, right? It's such privilege that we get to wake up and make that choice. And it's such a gift and we should use it as one of the biggest and greatest blessings that we have on this planet, right? Yeah. I mean, that presence, it was, I just got back from Tulum Mm -hmm. and, you know, we did a lot of, you know, different, Mm -hmm. there's a cacao ceremony, there's all these different ceremonies and magical things we're able to do. And often you're asked in those type of situations, what's your word? Like, what's your one word that you're holding space for at this moment? And for me, that word has been presence. Mm. Because when you are present, it's, I mean, gratitude, it just is like being grateful, being present, it goes hand in hand. And so when you are present in that moment, you just take a moment and look around you. It's everything becomes nourishing, right? So, yeah, yeah. So incredible. And if you haven't been to Tulum yet, I recommend oh going. God, yes. <laughs> it's, it's by far one of the most magical places and a place that you really feel the energy and the vibration of nature and yes. you're connecting to the earth and the spirits and just everything yeah. that 
I think we're losing in the city and we're losing by not grounding ourselves in the earth and walking barefoot and all the things that we should be doing. Do you have any self-care practices that you're consistently doing or that you recommend doing that the listeners could Well, I have my morning routine, right? And I have my nighttime routine and it's so simple. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like before I start my day, every single day before I get out of bed, I go through my gratitude list, you know, and it's not always the same number of things on the list. It's just sort of going through and, you know, listing some things that I'm thankful for. And I thank my angels because, you know, my dad's up there and he's one of my angels and my grandmother. And I have some angels that are up there that every day I want to connect with and say thank you for looking out for me. So I do that. And then something that I have uh, my clients do as well, once we're sort of in the flow with the gratitude list is listing a few things that you're grateful about yourself. And that's so important, you know, to understand and recognize what it is about you that you love, what you bring to this world, you know, and that kind of goes along with affirmations and intentions. And I do that for a few minutes. And sometimes I journal. Sometimes I I don't journal. It kind of just depends on what I'm called to do. But that's all my morning time. And then I get up and I have my warm lemon water. And that for me is something that I do. Even when I travel, it doesn't matter where I am, you can get a lemon from somewhere and have your warm lemon water. And that really kind of helps ground me. It helps hydrate. I know what it's doing for my body. And so the first thing I do, like an action that I'm doing as soon as I get out of bed is something that I'm doing that I know is good for my body. That also helps to clear my mind. So first things that I do, and then I have like my morning elixirs and I just add water or my matcha latte. I mean, these are all things that kind of sometimes it's just add water first, sometimes it's the matcha first, but these are the things that I start my morning with. And then at the end of each day, kind of the same thing. I go through my day and I think about the things that I'm grateful for that happened today, Mm -hmm. you know, so it might not necessarily be what was on my morning list, but it'll be like, this will go on my list too. Like I had such a fun podcast and time spent with you today. And that is a blessing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that'll be part of my gratitude list. And it really kind of puts my mind, our minds are so busy all the time. It really kind of, you know, grounds me into where I am now and it prepares my body for rest and sleep. And it's also telling my mind like what I want to be thinking about when I go off into my subconsciousness. And that's when your mind sort of soars, mm-hmm. you know. So these are the things that I do. You know, and there's a few other things, but these are the things that are so easy to do yes. because you don't need anything. Yeah. There are no tools. You yeah. just need you, you know. Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about health, which I've seen a lot of questions about is access and cost. Yeah. And we're consistently talking about, well, I don't have access to that. And Mm -hmm. that's so expensive. And that's what the celebrities do. But Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because you work with the celebrities and yet you're recommending things. And I I share this all the time is that most of the things that I recommend to my clients and Mm -hmm. you do as well, which it sounds like is things that don't cost anything, right? The meditation, the mindfulness, the mindset approach the shifting pattern interruption of your mm-hmm. self-doubt and your your self-worth and connecting to that sacred space within you and really connecting to the earth. All of these things we don't need any money yeah. for, right? We, you don't need anybody for. You can really do it yourself. Right. I mean, I'll be honest. Some of my clients, I have to get on the phone with them at right. night and say, okay, now give me your list of five things, right. you know, because right. otherwise they may not do it themselves. Right. And that's fine, but it doesn't cost right. anything. Right. You know, the, there's no tool necessary. Right. It's just yourself. Right. So. And holding yourself accountable. And mm-hmm. you're really the only one keeping track of what's mm-hmm. happening with you. And so 
I think it's really important to debunk that belief. And I really love the idea of tracking how you're actually making the world a better place, Mm -hmm. because I think that really shifts the stories of self-worth and self-confidence and all of the things that oftentimes we step out in the world and we think, who am I, right? Who am I to be doing the things I'm doing? And I think when we really recognize what we bring to the planet, it really shifts even our relationship to our bodies and then also our physical bodies as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, something that I always say is that, and it's not even my own quotes, I can't take credit for it, but it's that no one is you and that truly is your power. So there is something in more than one thing in each of us that's so special that it's irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. And this is what you bring. So I think that's why when you go through that list and Sometimes I might feel a little uncomfortable, you know, because you're like, I am this, I am this, I am this. But once you kind of get in flow with it, and this is one of the things that I do journal, especially if I'm not quite feeling it or I'm feeling a little ungrounded or scattered, I will write that down. I have one journal that's just the I ams Mm. and I am and I list these things and I may write 10 things before I'm really feeling it, you know, and then I'm feeling it and then I'm like, oh, okay. I am also this and this and this and this, and it completely shifts your mindset. It shifts the energy that you bring. So when you walk out of that room, out of that house, and you're going to work or a meeting or whatever it is, your energy is completely different. And that's what, you know, as you were saying, is so important with mindset is to know that you are special. Everything that you're doing is exactly what you should be doing. You know, we are all so worthy of everything that we want, of everything that we're doing and so deserving of it. And it starts with you, right? You you have to be the one that tells yourself that first. Right. And when someone is feeling that lack of self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence, what are the things that you recommend to them as they step into the world? Like as they step into the space of doubting themselves, because I have a strong belief that that is really what is driving and the behavior behind making choices that aren't necessarily our optimal. Yeah, 100%. Because when we're not driven to be alive, when we're not driven to stay on this planet, we're not driven by purpose and mission, and we truly believe that we're worthy of having everything that we want and having the life that we want and being of impact and service, we make choices that don't serve our physical being. Yeah. And that impacts our health and therefore it sabotages us. So I'm just curious, how do you walk someone through that process of really shifting those beliefs? Do you think it comes from an internal place of meditation and mindfulness and tapping the subconscious or what are your beliefs on that? That's a really great question. You know, I've had some, you know, I have someone right now that is really going through that and it's been very tough. We've been working for quite a while now together. And yes, a lot of it, it does come from the internal space because there is no magic pill. There is no like shaman or healer. There's no specific ceremony that you can burn a list of things and it disappears from your life. Like there's no lotto ticket for that. Understanding, I think the first thing that I prep everybody with is like, it does take hard work. You know, it does take hard work and really going in deep. But if you do the work, you'll get there, you know, and showing them that support. And I think that when someone is a little bit lost and they found you, Mm -hmm. you know, or someone, if someone is coming to you and they need that help, like, they've already taken that first step because they're not trying to do it on their own. And I think that some of these small practices is something that helps. So definitely like sustainable and doable mindfulness meditation. So have them do it for like two minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, five minutes and it'll grow. But having a list of things that they want to do for themselves that day and make it short, 
It could be, I want to just get outside today. I want to feel good about what I'm wearing. Do it by yourself. You know, however it is, I would tell them, let's go to the store and try on some clothes then. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just depends on what that person's challenges are. But that list is that I have them do with a gratitude list for themselves is one of the hardest things, but one of the most effective things that they can do. Because when you go back, and for that list, I do have them write it down. Yeah. When you go back and you look and you have pages of things about yourself that you love, Mm -hmm. that other people love, that are so worthy, especially when you're in those moments where you're challenge, you know, and you're not feeling good. When you go back and you look and it's your own handwriting that you wrote these words down, it's so powerful, you know, and it's empowering to see those words. So that's kind of like the very first exercise that I go through with people who are having that, you know, challenge. And we can write about anything, right? right? If it's a challenge with food, it would say, you know, I do not use food to anesthetize my feelings. You know, I'm using food because it nourishes me. I'm having food today because, or I'm going to have a cookie today just because I really love a cookie, Mm -hmm. not because I'm sad. You know, it just depends what their challenges are, but to write that down and it's really helpful. Yeah. And I love the idea of just everywhere you go, whether you open the door and you smiled at someone Mm -hmm. or whether you gave someone a hug or you sat next to someone on the bus and they seemed lonely and you offered you know, some kind words, whatever it is, if you can just continue to write those down, you're going to look back and see how you're making the world a better place and you're contributing and impacting. And that completely shifts the energy in our bodies and then our response to the movement and the food and actually taking an initiative to create the Mm self-care that is required to stay on this planet Mm -hmm. and to really sustain our lives for as long as possible. So I absolutely love that. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I wanted to go back to how you really got to this place of these understandings and shifting your own relationship with your body and your health and what you came up against. Cause I know that we've talked about how you got really sick and how very similar to my story with breast implant illness, how you had your own issues with healing your relationship with your body and Mm -hmm. also healing your health. And so I would love to hear just what you went through over those couple of years and what the shift was for you to really get better. There's a couple things, you know, that I'll talk about. One thing I should have mentioned earlier to the question before was also with self-care. And this is part of the one of the realizations I made was that you kind of look at what you do for other people and are those things the things you would do for yourself? And it's a really big question. Mm. And that was one of my questions, you know, that I had to ask myself because you know, when I was going through what happened with my parents, I didn't identify what had happened as trauma Mm -hmm. on myself Mm -hmm. because 
it was my dad who had cancer. It was my mom who had cancer. It was mm. my mom who lost her husband and two months later was diagnosed with cancer. These were not my traumas, but yet they were. And my physical body and my emotional body, of course, and my heart suffered a lot of trauma from it. So not really realizing that. And then at the same time thinking, it's okay. I can sacrifice myself because I'm a super tough cookie mm. and I'm going to try and take care of everybody else, make sure everybody else is happy and healthy for the rest of their life. I ended up causing a lot of serious inflammation into my body, which resulted into an in initial surgery that I had to have to remove some damaged tissue. Mm. So out from that surgery, I got MRSA, which is mm. a deadly staph infection. And it was almost straight out of the OR. So, you know, that's been a journey for me up till literally my most recent surgery was just January. So just a few months ago, and I've had eight, you know, and so with that MRSA, if you know anything about it, it is a deadly staph infection and it had sort of just implanted itself deep into my chest. And we had several surgeries. I had several surgeries to try and get it out and it was unsuccessful. And so with each surgery, there was more damage, you know, more damage inside. And then of course, sometimes the damage inside shows itself on the outside too. So it left me feeling, you know, there's feelings of failure when you're someone who is a nutritionist and, you know, health and wellness person. And, you know, you've got this bacteria inside you that you can't get rid of that is constantly causing you fatigue and, you know, all kinds of issues. And I'm trying to combat that with different holistic modalities, you know, whether it's infrared or oxygen or different things to just kind of maintain my level of inflammation so it doesn't make that infection skyrocket and send me into the ER again. So that had been a few years of that. And then I finally had, um, I think it was my fourth or fifth surgery to try and get rid of this. And um, I ended up having a hematoma, which is like there was a tear inside from one of the stitches because I have kept having to have skin like tissue grafted in. I'd lost so much of my own. And one of those stitches tore a muscle. And so there was this massive internal bleed. I lost a lot of blood. I lost a little over two liters of blood in a very, very short period of time. So it was painful. It was terrifying, you know, with, I mean, a little bit of graphics here, guys, but the skin was actually stretching yeah. as the blood's pulling inside because it didn't have anywhere to go. It was terrifying. And because I'm truly blessed, you know, and probably my dad's looking out for me up above, I had um, amazing clients that were able to get me in to a surgeon who was a medical director at Cedars at the time and had a trauma unit and they saved me. And at the time, you know, there is a lot of victim thought, you know, there is a lot of why is this happening? You know, I'm a good person. I work really hard. I do these things. I know about good health why are these things happening? And it, it was this, I don't know if it was, it might've been my first quote surrender, or I really had to like t do an intake of like everything, you know, my whole life. Yes, I'm doing all these things for other people, but at the same time, I'm hurting myself because I'm not taking care of myself, you know? And that was something that I wasn't really taking in at the time, you know, and not really understanding that that self-care is truly a responsibility that we have, not just to ourselves, but to other people. So that happened with the surgery. And of course I thought, okay, I'm not going to have surgery ever again. You know, I'm just going to take care of my body and put in the right nutrients and kind of manage this, which I continued to do for a few more years until of course, 
life got stressful. My grandmother got really sick and then I ended up taking care of her as her, you know, legal guardian for everything. And being in a caretaker position, as you know, mm-hmm. can be very challenging on your physical body and your emotional body. And, you know, all the things I'd sort of taught myself went out the door again and I wasn't taking care of myself again, landed myself in the ER again, you know, a couple of years ago. And that's when I had doctors and surgeons that were just like, what are you doing? You can't live with this bacteria and you, we need to get this out, you know? So during that journey, and now, many years later, I have all these different modalities. I know even more than I knew before. And I'm, I'm having a massive surgery to take this out. All new team, all new surgeons, doing all the things I tell my clients to do and having a pick line in, you know, that was like a pick line is, you know, it's almost like a semi-permanent IV that goes from major artery in your arm all the way up your shoulder down to your neck, to your heart so that you can have a daily IV meds. And that's what I had to do for two months post-op. And that was only, you know, like two Decembers ago. So it was during this time that weird things happened. You know, I had the wrong medication that was delivered to me. The nurse put in the wrong meds another oh time. It gosh. was crazy things that I realized that was when I just fully surrendered. I fully surrendered to this message and that constant message the universe is giving us when we haven't fully learned the lesson, which is, You need to just take time off and allow your body to rest and recover and not worry about work so much and not worry about this or that because you have to just sort of trust that it's all going to come together if you take care of yourself first. If you take care of your body first, you will be able to take care of everybody else. And so that was really, and it was a year before that I really dived into spirituality and Reiki, but that was when I started doing quantum healing and all of this energy work because it went hand in hand with what I was realizing and understanding just sort of like mentally and emotionally about what self-care means and to really do that because I sort of shifted from taking care of my parents to then taking care of my friends and my coworkers. And, you know, when you're someone that's kind of a caretaker or empathic, that's what you do. You Mm -hmm. just sort of like shift that caretaking energy around all the while, maybe not really taking care of yourself first. So it was at that point that I realized that this is why the slogan for Just Add Water is simplify your self-care. It's almost like something, it's a daily accountability for me to remind myself that this is the message that I'm sharing with the world. This is why I do what I do is to teach people to take care of themselves. So I need to take care of myself as well. And these are all the little ways that we can do it because it's not like, oh, you have to go to the gym every single day or certain things we tell ourselves, there's a million ways that you can take care of yourself. And it's just being mindful of that. So that's been that part of my journey from, you know, my own health and starting because I wasn't taking care of myself and not acknowledging that because there's like a guilt associated with Mm -hmm. it, right? And something that I feel that a lot of women struggle with, whether it comes to food and using food to comfort themselves or anything, really, it's because That's one of the things that they let go of. You know, they're taking care of their family first or their kids or their husband or work and they're not taking care of themselves. And so when you ask me about some of the daily questions that I get from women in my community, that's one of the things, you know, how can I take care of myself better? How can I implement self-care? And there's so many ways. It's not just big, gigantic ways that seem overwhelming. Yeah, it's such a powerful concept because I have a belief that 
we're just going to transfer our anxiety or the way that we behave from one thing to the next to the next until we get to the root cause. So I was very similar where Mm -hmm. I was taking care of my parents and my brother and then my brother's girlfriend who got sick. And then, you know, now my husband, like it's always one thing after the next after the next until I absolutely burned, you know, myself out. And then I hit rock bottom and I was like, well, now I'm at a place where the universe is shaking me to Mm -hmm. my core and saying, you have to wake up. Mm-hmm. You cannot continue on this path of just going, going, going mm-hmm. and giving, giving, giving and not flipping it around Yeah, because then you don't have anything left at the end of the day to yeah. give. But I think it does take a lot of courage and it does take a lot of understanding of where is that programming coming from mm-hmm. and how do we shift it and how do we almost become selfish in a way. We really begin to look at ourselves and say, This isn't selfish as we deem selfish. Mm -hmm. This isn't selfish like we grew up thinking selfish was, but this is actually what needs to happen in order for me to have the energy and the vitality and the strength and the clarity and the mindset to be able to make the right decisions. And then I think what that gives us back is, and I'm curious if this is true for you, it gives you back presence. It gives you back the present moment time that you get to have with your partner, your relationship, your parents, your family, where instead of running around, you're more present and you're mm-hmm. able to actually connect with them because you're no longer worried about the migraine or yeah. the exhaustion or the yeah. fatigue or the things that you're having to go through. Yeah. One thing that I teach all my clients is about balance. So there's a couple of things. There's balance, neutrality, and unattachment. So the way the universe works energetically is that everything always has to be in balance, right? Mm-hmm. So when you give, you have to be able to receive, you know, just like if we're clearing a room, like with sage or something, you have to release that, you know, whatever energies that don't serve you and you have to replace it, right? With positive, beautiful energy. So that's something that you kind of, you can easily check in with yourself when you're doing something, when you're in a relationship with a person, you know, whether it's a friend or a coworker, a family member, Mm -hmm. you know, or a husband, sibling, wife, anything, Check the balance, you know, mm. is what you're giving also what you're receiving. And true, sometimes there will be imbalances, you know, but it's sort of that at the end of the day, do things balance each other out? You know, do with what I give him, does it balance that yes. with what I receive from him? And that I have found to be a very helpful tool because we forget, mm-hmm. you know, we forget that in order for everything to kind of work optimally, mm-hmm. there always needs to be a balance. It's just the way it is, right? I mean, we look around in nature and that's the way it is, right? So predators and prey, we don't like to see it always, but that is the balance of nature and the balance of life and not having attachments and trying to be in a place of neutrality about things helps so much too with mindset as well. So if you are, you know, running around, things have to be a certain way that throws off self-care, you know, that throws off mindset, that throws off balance. Wow, that's such an interesting point. I also find that with the physical body because the idea of detoxing or depriving ourselves or cutting things yes. out, but then we're detoxing, 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 mm-hmm. and then not putting back in the nutrients yep. and the things that our body actually needs, yep. which then throws our bodies out of balance. Totally. And our, you know, our bodies are so incredible. They're always trying to find balance. homeostasis. They're always yeah. trying to find the balance within what we're giving them. Yeah. And so when we do shift to even a healthier state, it might feel uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. a period of time because our body is trying to stay in balance and protect Mm -hmm. us. And so I'm always, you know, sharing that there's that period of time where we move into balance that feels uncomfortable, 
because it actually feels like it's disruptive or out mm-hmm. of balance in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so we have to give ourselves that moment to allow our bodies, allow our minds, allow our mental state to shift into that new experience. Absolutely. And understanding that it's because there does need to be balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I love what you said about food because that's exactly what I do with my clients, you know, and they love and appreciate that too. Whether we do my detoxes and cleanses in quotes are not like other people's mm-hmm. because you don't ever feel deprived. That's mm-hmm. you're missing the point, you know? So if we take something out, we always replace it with something else, you know, no matter what it is. And so it's, as you said, how your body wants to receive and it receives it best that way mm-hmm. because you don't want to, you know, mentally or physically feel like you're in a, you know, release or detox phase constantly. Right. So right. Yeah, yeah, that's my biggest problem with detox. And that's why I love your process and your programs because I think our bodies are already craving more and more nutrients. We're already depriving them. Mm-hmm. And so when we go on a detox and we deprive them even more, they shut down and they yeah. go into starvation mode and they're they're scared. And so I think we really have to be careful with detoxes and really do them under a professional and yeah. someone that really knows what they're doing. And like you said, putting in the good things, mm-hmm. adding the good things because in our body, from a psychological standpoint, is it going to say, I'm missing something. I yeah. need that. Yeah, and exactly. Then, but we're already going to have everything mm-hmm. we need. So we're not craving the things that we don't. So yeah, so I absolutely love love that work that you're you're doing with them. Was there any resources or any podcast or anything online that really supported you in your journey or a mentor or someone that you just look back and you're like, that was the one thing or a couple of things that really shifted things for me? Yeah, there are, I had three healers that Mm -hmm. kind of all, well, one of them came into my life a little bit before she came into my life during a really hard time. That was when, you know, I had almost just died and I was recovering from that. And I was sort of like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I can't use one side of my body. I'm a chef. You know, I need to be able to use both my arms in order Mm -hmm. to make a living. And that was when I shifted into focusing on nutrition until my body was completely healed. And then I could kind of be back in the kitchen over the stove again, which I didn't go into enough detail about, but we can if you want to. I had a healer at that time and, you know, I was using her the way I think a lot of people use therapists, you Mm -hmm. know, or use, what did we have nowadays? CBD. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, just kind of like almost an emergency state, like, oh, I'm going through a really tough time. I'm going to call her. And I shifted into a place where I thought, no, I need to do something to take care of me and I need to commit to that. Mm -hmm. So that was like the one important thing because I needed to take full responsibility of the fact that I need to take care of me. So what is something that I'm going to do to take care of me every single month? And that was, I just made it like a decision to talk to her every three or four weeks systematically. Didn't matter if things were good or bad or normal or boring or anything. I was just going to talk to her every month. So I started talking to her and she went through that tough time with me. And then as things got better and a lot of it was a mindset shift, it was where I thought, okay, I got to take care of myself. I can't just sit here feeling sorry for myself. Yes, this happened. Why did it happen? I didn't take care of myself. Okay. What am I going to do? How am I going to make a living? I'm going to dive into all the nutrition that I already know of and create programs and consult. And then I signed an incredible contract after that, you know, referred through my clients. And that was what really kind of got me on my way in terms of that aspect of my business, which has now grown. Six months after that, we're working together. And she said, listen, I, I think I want you to come out too. She's a master healer. You know, she was called from 
Tennessee to go to New Mexico. And she was in her 60s, I think, at the time. And she had a husband and kids and she just was called and she left. Mm. And she went there and she's incredibly powerful. And she said, I think you need to come to New Mexico, to Santa Fe. There's, I think you're ready. And I want to teach you what I do. And I thought, what are you saying? I, you're, I'm your client. <laughs> I'm nowhere near you, what you're doing. And so she said, well, I've, I know what I've seen, you know, and I think that you're ready. So I said, okay, let me think about this. And then at the time, I kind of came across two other healers. One, his name is Rob. He's amazing. And we've only talked over Skype. I'd met him three months before and it was just, none of these people knew each other. And another woman named Lee. And, you know, it was in the span of three months, I had three different healers sort of telling me, that there was something in me that I needed to sort of really put more energy and effort towards and kind of tap into that internal, that kind of power within. And it took me a few months to really, I can't even see to understand, but just to accept what they were saying and to just dive in, which is at the end of the day, just getting past the fear and that mindset that you're not enough and you're not good enough or some imposter sort of mindset that doesn't think that you deserve to go further, to go deeper, to do more, to have more. And I went to New Mexico and I spent the weekend with her. I'd never met her. She was like 72. She's so cute. And she came and picked me up and I stayed with her in her home and she taught me all the things that she does, which is her own special magic. And that really, I came back feeling very overwhelmed, like, I don't know if this is what she does. I don't know if I can do what she does. And just kind of going through that same set of, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I'm good enough, but knowing that there was a reason why she called me to go there. And between these three healers, I really started to dive in more into spirituality. I found Deepak and Oprah's 21 day challenge uh, several years back and it really helped me. Yeah, you know, I it really spoke to me. And it's something that's free that mm-hmm. most people can. So I can't say that it was a specific podcast or book because yeah. then they all kind of yeah, come Yeah, they all in. kind of run together, right? Yeah, they, they all come in and they, they all integrate help. and then we activate in ourselves. They do, we... you know? So there've been so many of them, but you know, back several years ago, that was what it is. You know, it was Deepak and Oprah and it was Noel, Rob and Lee, and they just really shifted me and it's been so powerful. So now everything that I've learned, I, I teach, you know, because as you teach, you also learn. Yeah. And in that space of suffering, you could still be there, right? It was your choice and your courage and you stepping into a space of saying, I'm done, Mm -hmm. I'm done with this and it's time and I'm ready to shift and I'm ready to heal and I'm ready to use my gifts. And I think it's that initial step. And I am in agreement that it usually takes working with someone. It usually takes having someone that's accountable. And when I did it, an interview where I surveyed women all over the world who were suffering from eating disorders or who had healed their yo-yo dieting or had really lost a significant amount of weight and kept it off and are really feeling healthy in their bodies. The one thing that they all shared was that most of them, I would say almost like 99% of them had someone that was holding them accountable and someone that loved them unconditionally regardless and someone that was there for them. And I just think that there's so much truth behind it. It's it's yes, we can have someone there, but we also have to take the step and be accountable for ourselves as well. And it's so, the hardest part, yeah. right? It's right. the hardest part to look at yourself when you're in a place that you don't want to be. And it's the hardest thing to say, okay, part of the reason why I'm here is me. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't 
all the things that happened, these things did happen. But part of the reason, and so, so therefore, I have the ability to change that because it's me, you know, like what are the things that I can change? I have total power, you know, to be able to shift the things that I've done to things that have happened. I have total ability to do that. And so, but in order to get to the place where you're like, wow, I can change this, it's to take, you know, responsibility and say, I am one of the reasons why I got here, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing. But once you say it and you realize it, it's so empowering, you know? And would you recommend people actually speaking that out loud, like as a practice and saying, I am responsible for my current state of reality and I'm responsible for changing it? I think that speaking it out loud is impactful. Mm -hmm. I think that if you have that accountability person, Mm -hmm. saying it to that person is even more impactful wow. because right. there's such, there's something about, that's why we can journal in our heads, you know, right. and then you can journal, you know, on paper and then you can say it out loud and record it. And then you can say it out loud to someone else. And with each act or practice, there is a different level of impact, you know, cause there's a different level of accountability. Yeah. When you've said it to another person, whoever it may be, it really resonates to a different place because because you know yourself, you know, you can, we tell ourselves little lies all the time, <laughs> know. you know, but when you have to lie to someone else through their face, it's yeah. different. Yeah. And then that person may not, they may call you out on it, yeah. which is why they're there. Yeah. And so I think that that can be very impactful. That's amazing. If, That's so incredible. If you could leave the reader or the readers, I'm like, lead the readers. I'm like in book mode. <laughs> I've been writing my book for five months. I'm like, you can leave my readers. If you could leave the listeners with one last statement or saying or something that would really be the shift that happened, you know, for you or that could really empower them to make a shift, what would that, what would that be? It would be something along the lines of, you know, something I've said before, which is really honoring your authentic truth. Mm. You know, we let things cloud what we know so deeply. You know, we let other people's opinions, things swimming around us, but honor your authentic truth. You know who you are. You know what you're capable of. You know deep down inside and honor that. And so tapping into that intuition, into that voice inside you, that's your key. You know, that's your key to everything. So, but know that it's there because we all have it. None of us is born without that. We all have that. So, and it's remembering that and honoring that. It'll get you where you need to be. It's so incredible. If people want to connect with you after the show, where should they go? How should they reach out to you? Um, well, Instagram's great. Yeah. So I'm at Chef Serena Poon. So that's S-E-R-E-N-A-P-O-O-N. You can always email. That's, I think, on Instagram as well. That's info at serenapoon.com. Our website is uh, serenaloves.com. And those are probably the best ways. Thank you so much for being here. I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, I could just keep going all day. <laughs> Oh my God, I have to cut you off. I know you have to leave. I'm like, we could be talking for the rest of the day, but I'm so grateful. We'll have you back. We'll talk about some other things next time. But for now, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for being here. All right, friend. Thank you so much for being here. Before you take off, I want to leave you with one final thought and a challenge for this week. 
I'm so grateful for Serena for sharing her time with us today because it's so easy to forget that food is intended to heal the body and that every meal should be this healing, uplifting experience. And that's why I'm in love with her concept of culinary alchemy and healing all aspects of ourself. This week, I invite you to take these practices into your daily routine. Before you choose your meal and sit down to eat, ask yourself how you can create a healing experience with food. How can you modify your meal? How can you uplevel your thoughts? How can you create a safe, sacred environment that nourishes you? It may sound complicated, but the more you create these little shifts, the easier and easier it will become. Also, if you have someone in your life that you love who could also use some of these self-care rituals that we talked about, please share this episode with them. And please, if you're called, I would be so, so grateful if you could leave a review so that other amazing humans like yourself can join in on this conversation and this movement. As always, you've got this. Thank you so much for listening and committing to your healthiest, happiest self. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love for this upcoming week and all of these amazing practices that you're going to implement to make your life happier and healthier. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.